Well, good morning. Glad to see all of you as uh, we get together every Sunday morning, study God's word, fellowship and sing. You know, a lot of people wonder, why do we do this? I think that's a fair question to ask. Why do we come together? Why do we worship? And I believe it's something that's so fundamental in Christian faith that I want to take time today and share it with you. It's what's called a point of contact. You see, there's a lot of things in the Bible, ink on paper, ideas, thoughts, philosophies, all that stuff that's in the Bible. But where and how does it become real to you? Interestingly enough, there's a story in the Bible about this particular topic, and it's found in Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to Mark chapter 5. And we're going to look at a woman who had a medical issue for a lot of years. And because of this, she became more and more troubled. And because she had an issue of blood, the Bible tells us in Levitical law that she was ostracized as long as she was in that condition, she was not to come in contact with anybody. Actually, her husband couldn't touch her and she couldn't provide for her family. She'd be ostracized from all of community. So this woman was pretty much alone. This morning, I pray that God through his word will point to you and show you how important it is that you have a point of contact with him. And so before we read, let's pray. Father, as you and your benevolent love comes upon us, Lord, that it's not just a thought or a feeling, but an actual reality of you touching us. We ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and cause us to draw close to you. And that Lord, through this life, and in many different ways, that point of contact will come. We ask you now in Jesus' name, make it real for us. Amen. It tells us here in verse 25 of Mark 5, an interesting story. And in fact, it's right in the middle of Jesus being summoned to go pray for a little girl, Jarius' daughter, who was grievously ill. Jesus said he would go with her. And on the way going to her, As the crowds were pressing against Jesus, this woman appears out of the crowd. Now notice what it says. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. So according to ceremonial law, Levitical law, she would have been considered unclean for 12 years. Now, friends, again, being ostracized from community... Again, in those days, they didn't have iPhones and television and all the things. Somehow we can use to leave everybody else out of our life and we can just do this with our fingers. But actually what it is, is that community was your whole life. And here, according to Levitical law, she would have to be ostracized. Now, I look at this as a very interesting story because the next verse, it says... And she had suffered many things from many physicians. I think that's funny that it's worded that way. She suffered many things from the doctors. You ever felt that way sometimes? Kind of a misdiagnosis. You're hoping they're going to be able to tell you what's wrong, and instead they do this. I know a particular case, a a friend of mine over in Hawaii. 
um, he was going to doctor, skin doctor. They gave him a misdiagnosis. He had a little thing on his arm. Yeah, well, yeah, we're going to go ahead and we're going to operate on that and get that little thing cut out. When he woke up, his arm was gone. What had happened is that little melanoma had grown roots and grown around his entire arm and they had to remove his arm to save his life. We can suffer many things from physicians. Now, thank God there's a lot of good doctors out there and praise God for them. I believe almost being a nurse or a doctor is, is, is almost a calling, friends. It's not something you can talk yourself into. And I believe that's a gift from God to be able to reach out and minister to people in that way. But it says here that she had suffered many things from the physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew the worse. You know, if you look down through the history of medicine, in fact, even at the time of George Washington, George Washington, they actually believe, died needlessly because the barbers, now I don't mean the ones that cut your hair, but the ones that would come and they were physicians, they would drain blood out of you thinking they were draining off the bad stuff. Had they spent any time reading the Bible, the Bible says life is in the blood. Well, they drained all the blood out of him and he died. It says that she spent all of her money trying to get better, and for all of her trouble, she was the worse. When she'd heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch the clothes, I will be made well. Wow, you think about that for a minute. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'd be made well. Now, friends, first of all, a couple of things. Is there anything magic in Jesus' garment? No, it's just clothes. It's what's in the clothes that makes the difference. Friends, it was a point of contact for her for her faith to be made whole. Now, I want to share this with you this morning. There's a lot of things that we do in our life. And God is here and I am there. And where is that point of contact? I believe the point of contact for God in your life, my life, comes in many different ways. I believe that point of contact, and by the way, even in the New Testament, a a garment that Paul had had, a, a piece of his handkerchief, they were using, and it was that point of contact where they understood there was faith invoked. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. Now, this isn't some kind of, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe until I get what I want. No, that's not it. This is where we understand there's a point of contact where God ministers to us. I have found in my life, that point of contact can come through other people in the body of Christ. Is there anything magic about that person? No. But it's the Jesus in that person that makes the contact. Maybe it's during the worship this morning. Um... The last song we sang. Maybe it's a point of contact in that where you understand that God is wanting to minister to you, to reach out to you. 
I have found it can come in people. I found it can come in fellowship. I have found it can come through his word. I have found that it can come through a a remembering a verse in your heart. That point of contact where God is not just God out there, but now God becomes right here. It's not the garment that healed the woman. It's the Jesus inside the garment that touched her. It's the Jesus inside the worship. It's the Jesus inside of you that ministers to others. That point of contact, friends, is so real because it may be the only glimpse of God they ever see. I believe that happens when we share our faith, when we minister, where we we um, uh, really are those ambassadors. The Bible says that we are for Christ. That may be the only point of contact that person will ever know of God. That's why the Bible says we want to do a good job in representing who our king is every day. And the woman thought to herself, if I could only touch the hem of his garment. I think this is a weird verse, friends, really. Why didn't she just walk up like the others did and say, as an example, Jarius said, my daughter's grievously ill. Will you come and pray for her? Jesus said, I will go. That's right in the verses right before what we're reading. Why didn't the woman just come up and say, hey, Jesus, I got this problem. I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't say, you know, whenever I find something in the Bible, it speaks quite loudly to me as much as if something was written. There's a lot of things like that in the Bible I don't know. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We remember they were told to bow down and worship the statue. They wouldn't do it. And Nebuchadnezzar became furious. He said, if you don't bow down and worship my statue, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Is your God able to deliver you from the fiery furnace? I like what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. Whether our God will deliver us from your fiery furnace or not, we're not worshiping your statue. I like that. And he was incense. Heat the furnace up seven times hotter than it's ever been. And the guys, the soldiers, throwing them into the furnace, the flames leaped out and killed them. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all right in the fiery furnace. You see, again, those points of contact in the Bible can be good. They can also cause conviction and a reaction. This is why I believe sometimes as you share your faith with your friends, some have willing ears. The Bible says to some the fragrance of life and to others the stench of death. Because when you share faith with somebody, that stench of death means they got to die to their old self. They're going to have to repent from the foolish way they have lived their lives in defining life their way. And now they're going to have to accept God's way in their life. You either accept that or you reject that. But here's the problem. If you reject that, you're turning away something, the only cure for death in the world. And there's nothing a person needs more on the day they die than life. The woman didn't come to Jesus face to face. I don't know why. 
And a lot of times when things aren't written out in the Bible, by the way, where was Daniel when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace? Where was he? He was part of the children of Israel. The Bible doesn't say. Maybe it was a type of rapture. Maybe uh, as God protected the children of Israel in the fiery furnace, Daniel was someplace else. Maybe likened to the church. I don't know. But I know when the Bible is silent about something, there's sometimes a reason. Isn't it interesting that Paul said he had an infirmity in the flesh? That means he had something wrong with his body. Some believe it could have been his eyes. Some believe it could have been something else. We don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't tell us. But that's where you can insert what maybe is troubling you in that verse. Why didn't the woman go face to face with Jesus? Maybe because she wasn't clean. Maybe she recognized that about herself. Maybe she didn't feel too good about herself after being sick for 12 years, the Bible says. Maybe she didn't feel she had any value. She says she spent all of her money on on trying to get well. She was probably broke. Oh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't want to spend any time with me. Do you know how many people feel that way about God? They feel that either God's too high might and great, great for them, or maybe that they just don't feel that they're worthy enough to come to a presence of a living God. Friends, I'm telling you, what people's concepts of God are outside of the Bible, outside the family of faith, that we enjoy being Christians, studying God's word, people's concepts of God run the gamut of all kinds of crazy ideas from Middle Eastern philosophies and religion to just completely being without any understanding of God. You'll run into people and you'll say, well, do you know about God? They go, no, I'm agnostic. Agnostic simply means I'm ignorant. I don't know. Now, I think it's sometimes funny. They wear the name agnostic. It's like it's a shiny badge for a higher way of understanding. Really, they're just saying, I'm stupid. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel? I heard a joke one time about a guy goes into a restaurant and the lady says, do you want your eggs over easy or scrambled? And he goes, I don't know. I'm agnostic. Anyway, bad joke. Um, but the thing is, ideas of God are all over the map right now. I don't know how many questions I get a week based, people will call up and said, well, I heard on the internet. Oh, there's a source, ain't it? Unicorns are real on the internet, as well as a lot of other crazy stuff. Well, here's the point. Because of that, people don't know who God is. Because they don't know who God is, they don't know how to approach him. You know, what's interesting to me is you study foreign religion, pagan religion. The idea of burning incense to their God. And you'll, sometimes you'll see on Discovery Channels, you know, they have these monk temples and they have the incense burning and all this kind of crazy stuff. And they're somehow trying to appease their God so they could go before their God and make their petition known. 
Now, again, it is interesting to me that deep within the psyche of man, he knows he's not righteous enough to stand before a holy God. Therefore, we've got to burn some incense, make this, you know, we stink, but maybe the incense is good. Got some kind of an idea like that. They know that they need to do something to approach God. Now, again, why didn't this woman go face to face with Jesus and say, Jesus, I need to be healed? Don't know. Maybe she felt ugly. Maybe she felt broke. She was broke. Maybe she felt unclean because, again, according to Levitical law, she would have been. Maybe because she'd been sick for so many years, she had been so ostracized by the people around her that she didn't even know how to have friends anymore. Whatever it was, she decided to do the sneak up from behind. And so she said, if I may just touch the hem of his garment, his clothes, I shall be made well. This word touch in the Greek means to grasp. If I could just grab his coat. If I could just grab that, I'd be healed. Immediately, the fountain of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She knew she was healed. Something changed in her. I like that. The point of contact between a holy God and needy people was a place where she met God. Again, friends, I believe a lot of times during worship is a place where we meet God. I believe sometimes it's the fellowship of the saints where we're together and somebody ministers to your soul. Maybe it's the opening of God's word. And as we read this and you go, oh, God, I get it. I understand. But there's a point of contact where God becomes real in your life. And I don't just mean when you become born again. I mean every single day in our life. That's why I believe we need to pray. And oftentimes and most of the time through prayer is where that point of contact is made. She knew she was healed. Well, I like the rest of this. And Jesus immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? I, I think this is amazing that when we call, God listens. He goes, who touched me? You know, there was a song years ago, maybe some of you know it if you're raised in the church, called He Touched Me. Here, Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? Well, I like this. His disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? Wow. Talk about being out of touch. The disciples, friends, usually were. In fact, I got a call on to every man and answer. It says, how come the people in the Bible were so spiritual and yet I have such a hard time feeling of any worth, any value to the kingdom of heaven at all? I said, well, you need to read the Bible a little closer. Because you'll find if you study an overview of the disciples' lives, most of them didn't get it right most of the time. 
where we remember Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He says, I must go to Jerusalem. I must die. Peter said, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. You don't need to die. And Jesus turned and looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Wow, that remark that he didn't have to go to Jerusalem and die was what the devil would have said to him. You know, there's an idea out there that that um, uh, the devil thought when Jesus got crucified that, that uh, oh, well, Jesus might not come back to life and the devil would win. I think the devil knew all along Jesus was going to come back to life. I think that's why the pressure in the upper room where he looks at Judas Iscariot and says, what you do, do quickly. You get up, you go betray where I'm going to be is what he said to him. But I, I think if we were all in an upper room and we knew that somebody was going to come and grab us and drive big rusty nails through our hands and feet, you know, the idea there would be to get out of Dodge. But Jesus went right where he always went. You remember, Judas Iscariot betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And what he really gave to the Sanhedrin was Jesus' day planner. He said, this is what Jesus' personal life is like. And he goes to the Mount of Olives every night and he prays. And they knew right where to find Jesus without the crowds being around him. Jesus didn't change his behavior based upon the pressure that was upon him. He was who he is. Now notice he says, what are you saying? Who touched you? The crowds are pushing against you, Jesus. No, the disciples sometimes got it wrong too, everyone. And don't feel beat up when you fail. That's why John wrote and he said, if we sin, we have an advocate. We have a lawyer with the Father, Christ Jesus. You need to remember that. I've talked to so many people over a course of a lifetime that said, well, I I would accept Christ, but I'm afraid I will fail him after I accept him as Savior. Hey, let me tell you something, you will. Not that we want to. But this is part of an old sin nature that someday, friends, you're going to get a brand new body that ain't prone to sin. And ain't prone to breaking down back aches and all the other stuff that our bodies go through. He says, you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman noticed this. Fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Wow. Here this lady was scared to death, who touched me, and now she knew it was her. She'd been found out. And Jesus says, how dare you? No, he didn't say that. Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we think that's what God's going to do. If, if, if I have a need from God and I pray and I ask God to do something, well, why would God hear me? Nobody else has listened to me for 12 years. Maybe nobody even gives me any time of day. Maybe, maybe I'm, I, I'm, I'm an offcast of my family. Maybe I'm, nobody cares. But see, Jesus didn't care. Notice he says, and he said to her, Daughter, 
Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Jesus did not condemn her for doing that. In fact, he said, your faith has made you well. Her point of contact was, it, I could just touch the hem of his garment. Friends, I don't know today where you are at in your spiritual life, but I will tell you this. You need a point of contact in your Christian experience daily. That's why I believe Jesus talked about, and we see him oftentimes alone with his Father in heaven. We find David, as he would minister to the Lord, as he was out tending the sheep, he would write these songs and hymns and all these different things. It was a point of contact where God became part of him. I don't ever want in my Christian experience, God there, me here. I always want us. And there's always a work, I believe, of the underworld to separate you from the love of your daddy in heaven. That father in heaven that loves you so very much sent his only son to die for you. The Bible tells us that the devil wants to do whatever he can do to separate you from remembering that. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, that's the source of our strength. I don't know how many people this time of the year, you go out, maybe in your apple orchard or other fruit trees you may have, and you prune back the dead branches. You prune back the branches that are growing all weird. Some of the branches are real good. And they even, but they're in the way. They hit your head with a lawnmower when you walk underneath them. Something, I gotta cut that branch off. And you cut that branch off, you notice it will wither and die because it's no longer connected to the source of its nutrient. If Jesus said, you abide in me, I in you, you'll bear fruit. Because a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You have to be where that point of contact is. I pray today you consider that point of contact in your life. You'll find in your life, and this is what I found in mine, sometimes it's through worship. And I mentioned this earlier, but it's where all of a sudden, it isn't just words in a song. It's like something inside of you, the Lord just breaks out and you begin to just commune with the Lord. Sometimes it'll be in prayer where you'll just be praying and, and you'll be t- explaining things to God. And, and you know, I, 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 I know we have a, a, a very gracious Father in heaven. Because I know sometimes the prayers that I have prayed to God, God goes, I tell God things that I know that he already knows. I'll, I'll tell God, now, now, God, I got this going on and this going on and this going on. God goes, oh, I would have never known. No, God knows. But you know, I found a couple things. One, when I tell God about those things, I feel better because I know I've given them to God. And, and, and in fact, sometimes I have to give them to God maybe several times a day. 
because I can find myself mauling over it and worrying about it because really that point of contact has not yet been where I realize casting all your cares upon him, he cares for you. So I'll keep going back until I get to that point where I go, okay, God is yours. Sometimes it'll just be maybe talking with a friend that loves Jesus. Hey, it's going to be all right. We're going to get through this. And you go, yeah, we will. I look at that and I realize how important fellowship is. So church, maybe if you can restructure this in your mind as a Christian, it isn't just a place where we come and hear a word from God's word or sing a song. But it may very well be God is trying to reach out to you to that point of contact, like the woman who had something wrong with her and she needed a touch from God to connect. That it's not God, me, it's us. And when that happened, she was made well. Friends, this morning, I don't know where, what, and how all those intricate things in each one of our lives work. But I do know the one that makes it happen where I can get what the Bible says, that peace that passes understanding. The Bible says, God says, Jesus said, I give to you peace, not as the world gives. You know, it's interesting. There is a peace that the world does have. Generally, peace is, but it's not the peace that God gives. There's a big difference between happiness and peace. Happiness is when everything goes my way. I get green lights. Yay, I'm happy. When I don't get green lights, I'm not happy. But peace is I can be settled in no matter what's going on around me because that point of contact, God has come into the situation and I can go, So much better. This morning, I just want to encourage you. Don't ever miss that point of contact between you and the Lord. It is so, so critical to your Christian experience. Not just when we need something, but that you need to go to your father as a child, daddy. I don't know what it takes. Sometimes it might be just to crawl up in your daddy's lap. Maybe not even asking for anything at all. Just say, Daddy, I'm just glad I'm here. I'm just glad you redeemed me. I'm just glad that I'm not bumble, stumble, bumbling around in the world wondering what life is about. But you actually redeem me that I have a place with you forever in heaven. Believe me, friends, in heaven, you will have that permanent connection. The Bible says you're his bride. Big difference. Then having a religion that's disjointed. See, that's the problem I have with religion. Because religion is always telling its followers, you must do something in some way to be connected you got to get out, knock on doors, sell flowers in the airport. You know, all the, the lists of things they have you do. Where Jesus said, come unto me, all your labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's what God wants. Point of contact. It isn't earned. It isn't anything I did other than come to me, 
all you labor. There is a requirement. I heard one time a man on the radio say, there's nothing you did to get into God's family and there's nothing you can do to get out of God's family. And I thought about it for a minute. That sounded kind of good, but I thought through and I go, that's a lie. You see, there's nothing you can do to get in God's family. And as a matter of fact, that is not true. The Bible says, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is a requirement for you to come to Christ. In fact, they came to Jesus and they said, what works must we do to inherit eternal life? And I can just see him going, yeah, let's see what we got here. And you know, Jesus looked at him and said, believe that the Father has sent me. Believe that the Father sent me. I think they were probably thinking of going out, doing some kind of religious thing uh, that people that are so prone orientated towards religion want to do. He just said, believe the Father has sent me. Well, what does that mean? That means put all your faith, hope, and trust in him. This morning, I pray you've done that. Because if you haven't done that, you may be a very religious person but you're not born again. Because your spirituality is generated by yourself, not from God. Paul says there is no good thing dwells in the flesh. It's not by works of righteousness, lest any man would boast, but it it comes from God. My spirituality, your spirituality, friends, we don't generate it. It's a gift. God gives that to us. Not because I was a really good little boy and I did everything right. God gave me his spirituality because I didn't have any. You see, when we understand, when we come to God bankrupt, as the woman who had spent all of her money trying to get well, as she had spent 12 years in this condition, she was bankrupt. And when we come to God, God says, now I can give you what you need. Friends, there's a big difference between religion and relationship. Relationship is where it connects the point of contact. This morning, I pray you've had that point of contact in your life. Where Jesus Christ, the one who died for you, the one who made everything, made you becomes real to you in your life. Because apart from him, the Bible says we can do nothing. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, I'd like to invite you to the ultimate point of contact where God becomes real in your life, that you know you're forgiven, your sins are forgiven, And God does something eternally for you, you could never, ever, ever do in yourself. You see, we need that. The world needs that. And friends, I believe until we as Christians begin really not to just have a a relationship with God and forgive even more distant religion, but a personal relationship where that point of contact is daily. I believe that's what the world is looking for. 
They don't need religion. They don't need to prove to God there's something. They don't need to be out there burning incense sticks because they know they stink. They need to know there's a God that loves them. And as Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Amazing. God fixed her. God wants to fix you today. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, or you're distant from God, and all of a sudden God isn't that close to you anymore because that point of contact has been missing in your life, maybe for a week, maybe for a year, maybe for a decade. You know about God. This woman knew about God as well, but it wasn't until the point of contact was made where it becomes real to you. I pray that you have that today. And if you don't, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask Jesus to come into your life. The ultimate point of contact. And please, if you're a Christian, don't think that's the only time you need that. You need that every day. We're going to pray. You can ask Jesus into your life today. If you need to come home to God, if you don't want a religion, you want a relationship, you want to be part of his family, Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name today. And I invite you into my life. And from this day forward, God, that I would have that point of contact, that that love from you each day through the rest of my life. Lord, I ask you to heal me of my sins. I'm doing it myself. And Lord, I ask you from this day forward that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God, to be about your business. And Lord, I dedicate the rest of my life to you. Speak to me every day. And thank you for eternal life. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead to give me life with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.